There we go. The John Curley, Sherry Ellicott Show, and love is in the air with Sherry and... Come on, Teeny. Get out of here. She got a tube top on. Come on, Teeny. Come on. Just look at it. I see it. Sorry, Sherry. It's a good look for her. I love when you two fight over me. Is that what we're doing? We're fighting over you? Isn't that right, Teeny? Come on now. I do not know. You know. Oh, play coy now. All right. Let's see. The uh, So Tacoma School wants to move away from the controversial name um, and rename the school. This has been happening all across the United States. And this uh, elementary school wants to dump their dump their name. Is it, who's, was it? Um, what are they, they haven't McIver. chosen another name yet. McIver. Yeah. They haven't chosen another name, but they want to get rid of this guy. Maybe that's why... Um, Maybe that's why their their um, their students, by the way, looked it up. So in math proficiency, ten percent um, are proficient in math. Um, and let's see, when it comes to reading, uh, thirty-five to thirty-nine are proficient in reading. This is the fourth grade level. So maybe the racist name is one of the reasons the kids are doing so poorly in math and reading at that school. So they want to get rid of the name. Who's the guy that they decided to get rid of? It's McCarver Elementary School. And oh, my God. Does. Are we allowed to say that on the air? Yeah, I don't know. Well, let's hear about him. Okay. According right. to a Facebook post, Historic Tacoma has outlined its issues about McCarver. Kentucky-born McCarver was an unabashed racist whose uh-huh. hatred of people of color came from his upbringing in the South. It's important to note that McCarver was not just a supporter of those legislative efforts. He was the leader of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have not determined what the new name will be. I guess the principal will take the lead on trying to find a new name. Uh, two other Tacoma schools were recently renamed because of racist concerns. Jason Lee Middle School was renamed Hilltop Heritage Middle School. And Woodrow mm-hmm. Wilson High School was renamed Dr. Dolores Silas High School. And that happened in 2021. I got rid of Woodrow Wilson, huh? Yes. Wow. Yeah, the uh, the idea that you're naming the school after somebody, you're by the way, you're also judging that individual by today's standards. Was that really fair for anybody, right? I know they got rid of Abraham Lincoln School. We got rid of George Washington School. They want to get rid of Thomas Jefferson. So they're judging the behavior of the individual from 200 and some years ago by the today's standards of how we treat one another. Hmm. Okay. So I looked up to see how many schools are named after the horrible individual by the name of Cesar Chavez. Cesar Chavez was trying to unionize uh, farm workers, and he knew that when Mexicans were coming in for, across the border to break up the uh, grape strike and others, he has sent his brother and his cousin down there to beat the hell out of them and also refer to them often as wetbacks uh, and immigrants. He didn't like the fact that they could come in and break his strike. So he first they would first go down there and tell people not to come, and then they would beat him up. And I looked up how many na- how many schools are named after Cesar Chavez, and I stopped counting after about 50. So by today's standards, I would assume Cesar Chavez, who caused people coming in from Mexico wetbacks, that guy probably shouldn't have his name on any of those schools or any institution. But they don't take his name out. And those schools were named after Cesar Chavez, 
who was, um, I won't call him a racist, but just probably a, a fairly nasty individual um, who didn't have a whole lot of love for anybody coming in from Mexico trying to have a better life. But yet we named schools after Cesar Chavez. So they get rid of this one. It's going to cost anywhere from between to change a high school is about 250,000 bucks. To change the name of an elementary school could be anywhere between thirty thousand up to seventy-five thousand dollars. So they'll take the take the name down off of that school and put another name up. And then I wonder, in maybe ten years from now, do you think the grades will go up? Unlikely. Yep. I don't. But it makes makes people feel good. I mean, to take down George Washington, Thomas Jefferson. Well, it's. I think in those particular cases. It is wrong because when you consider the amount of good that those presidents did, um, it, it, it balances things in a different way. It does mm-hmm. not excuse or forgive all of the ills and all of the terrible things that went on with respect to slavery, but there were certainly other things to, to take into consideration. However, when even by anybody's standards in any era, I think, when it comes to slavery – you have to understand that that would never be something that someone would think would be honorable or would be a good thing. So what do you say to people that say, well, slavery is so offensive and so wrong that we shouldn't honor anybody that practiced that, even no matter no matter how long ago it was and no matter how acceptable it was at one point? That it should never be condoned, and by having a name on a building that represents someone that owned slaves. Okay, then, 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 then it should be if you want to. If you say it's so horrible and so toxic to anybody, then you're going to have to go ahead and change a whole bunch of names of a whole bunch of places. One of the guys that made so much money, by the way, slavery did not make America rich. It made a few people rich, like Mr. Yale. So change the name of Yale because that guy did quite well because of slavery. So dump that name. Dump a whole bunch. Clean up and tear down statues and get rid of a whole bunch of stuff. You leave the name of a school up and then you put a plaque next to it explaining, here's the name, here's the person, here's what he did, you know, here's what he represented. Let's take the name down. Again, go ahead. If it's symbolism and it's, you think somehow this is having an effect upon how the kids feel about the school, I'm sure most of them have no idea who the who the school is named after? No historical reference as to who this person is. It doesn't affect them on a regular basis. But what you're doing in a slight way, in a very small way, you're continuing the oppressive lie that um, you are still a victim of something that happened more than 200 and some years ago. That's all. You're just reinforcing. The idea that slavery is still with us, the system is still there, you're still being held back for it, so we're going to get rid of the name of Washington, Jefferson, MacGyver, whoever else is out there. So um, anyway, that's go ahead. It's, just, it's more uh, virtue signaling from the people that feel as if this is going to have a better effect upon uh, how the kids do. So we'll watch for it. We'll see. See how well their grades go up after uh, 10 years when they change the name of the school. Well, they will have to change a lot of other things as well to make that go on. But there's a guy uh, in, in, here in Virginia who mm-hmm. is extremely upset about the name change, and his name is Robert Smith. Um, his grandfather is T.C. Williams. And 
I thought he was the same T.C. Williams uh, that was the famous high school here in Alexandria. It's a totally different T.C. Williams. But this particular T.C. Williams founded the School of Law. Um, he's the great-grandfather, uh, I'm sorry, he's the great-grandson of this guy. And he said that because they want to change the name, because T.C. Mm-hmm. Williams was a slave owner, uh, he has caved to woke activists. And he said, you know, you could have kept the name. You could have kept T.C. Williams and, and attributed it to me. My name is T.C. Williams Jr. Smith. You could have uh-huh. just renamed it my name. So he says that the family has made about three point six. billion in contributions. And if you want to change the name, then give our money back. Ooh. Wow. And? Well, they're not, they're not having it, but (laughs) he's saying, he's saying we made, you would not have this university. You would not have this law school had it not been for us. So the university hasn't really responded yet. Um, It says that, you know, this, the thing that they always say, which is we know people will be upset about this. We recognize that some may be disappointed or disagree with this decision. Uh, we also recognize the role that the Williams family has played here and respect the full and complete history of the institution. Uh, I don't know that there is a lawsuit in the in the making or if he even has any grounds for it. But he's saying this is this is something that I I, I want my money back. Give me my money yeah. back. Well, I mean, they're not going to do it. But that's TC. Is that um, that's that school that's really well known for STEM stuff, right? Those are the ones that is that the the um, TC. Um, has don't they have like an advanced uh, placement program there, and they let ki- used to let kids in by test, and now they're trying to diversify the student body. Is that the same well, school? No, that's T.C. Williams High School, and so ah. T.C. Williams High School ha- was a completely different guy. It was named for a different guy, and he, that particular guy wasn't a slave owner. He was a, a, a more modern day person, but he was uh, a racist and he had a lot of very racist beliefs and so they renamed the school the high school this other school tc williams is named after the man that actually did have slaves by the way james madison in virginia and also georgetown university they both have changed many many buildings uh because of the fact that people have been upset about the uh the the owners or the slave owners that were named those buildings were named after Mm-hmm. Got it. I, I always have a problem when you tear down a statue of somebody. The statue goes up. I get it. But you're better off, rather than tearing it down and try to eliminate the history, you're better off putting a plaque next to it and explaining the significance of why this guy has, why he's on horseback, who he was, what he represented in history, what, what, why the reason that they have the statue up. And then you can put a little kind of, you know, pro and con explaining the controversy as opposed to just pulling down statues of individuals. You're better off educating people to the past and what it was and what it represents as opposed to trying to just whitewash it and then tear it down um i also saw the number of um people ever arrested for tearing down like a george washington statue or jefferson statue or christopher columbus statue they don't go after those guys because that's um that's that kind of speech is protected i i saw that um the uh now that the republicans are in charge they're bringing a whole bunch of people before them and uh I guess they put the word grilling in front of it. So here's a, the head of NIH is in some on trouble. On October 8th of 2020, you were CC'd on an email from the then head of NIH, Dr. Francis Collins, uh, to Dr. Anthony Fauci. Now, I'm going to refresh your memory on the contents of this email. It says, hi, Tony and Cliff. 
This proposal, citing the Great Barrington uh, Declaration. The reason for this um, review and this chance for this is Representative uh, Kat Kamak uh, to ask these questions. They're trying to figure out how much the government was involved in stopping free expression of ideas and how much pressure the federal government put on various social media um, uh, platforms. From the three fringe epidemiologists who met with the secretary seem to be getting a lot of attention. And even a co-signature from Nobel Prize winner Mike Levitt at Stanford. There needs to be a quick and devastating published takedown of its premises. I don't see anything like that online yet. Is it underway? Signed, Francis. Again, you were CC'd on this email. Yes or no, Dr. Tabak, did you communicate with Dr. Collins with you about these doctors or the Great Barrington Declaration, other than when emailing Dr. Fauci? I have no recollection of speaking to him about them. By the way, the lawyers always tell you to have no recollection. I don't remember, I don't recollection, mm-hmm. just, you know, I don't recall. Yes or no? Are you aware of other instances where either Dr. Collins or Dr. Fauci plan to have the media publish articles to discredit other scientists or doctors during the COVID-19 pandemic? I'm not aware of any such instance. Of course. Now, as Deputy Ethics Counselor at NIH, aren't there ethical concerns about using the U.S. government to silence scientific speech, particularly peer-reviewed speech? When the stakes are so high, right, as they were during the height of COVID-19, shutting down economies, keeping kids in schools, increased rates of mental illness, addiction, suicide, etc. And now, of course, we know that the collusion between Twitter and the Biden administration has come to light. Does that not concern you? I'm unaware of any collusion. Um, I know there's ongoing. Oh, you know what? Uh, that's that's good. So I'm I glad. Can't. I'm going so to. I'm going to enlighten you then. So. By the way, whenever you say that, they have all of these gigantic posters they're going to put up. It's going to be all of your Just emails. a few months after that email, this email that you were cc'd on between Dr. Francis Collins and Dr. Fauci, you have records of this, and I'm sure there are others. Just a few months after that. Twitter was directed by the Biden administration to deplatform multiple scientific accounts, doctors, Nobel Prize winners. They went so far as on March 14th, 2021, in internal communications between top Twitter executives and the Biden administration to say, we are very angry. The Biden administration needs a push to deplatform these multiple accounts. These deplatforming of accounts were, of course, related to the great Barring, uh, Barrington Declaration. I have to tell you something. This is for my own edification and my own joy to see these people that were involved in stopping you, the American people, from hearing from other scientists that were speaking outside the boundaries of the regime. The Great Barrington Declaration, Jay Bettachari and others from Oxford and Harvard um, and Stanford that weren't allowed to express ideas because those ideas went against what the propaganda from the administration were telling all of you. These hearings continue to go on. They started more than two weeks ago. And at some point, I think they're going to have Fauci in there as well. They've got enough evidence now that we're going to be able to see how they colluded in order to stop you from getting information. Again, stuck that in there for my own benefit. 
And I am joyful on this Valentine's Day to see the head of NIH cc'd on this stuff to stop people from getting information that they could that they deserve to have if they're getting on the social platform and the government stopped them. Well, that was. And I, I say back. this to people. This is my this is my little thing at all these get-togethers I have. It's amazing the number of people. Eh, eh, it doesn't bother me. One to ten. Where does it bother you? And let's remember, it's Valentine's Day, and if you'd like to give me a Valentine, you could you could be like nine, nine and a half, somewhere in there. Uh, ten. Ten, my Valentine. Ten. I was going to say, Cat <laughs> Kamak from Florida is the one grilling him. You might want to yeah. send her a pretty little paper Valentine for her, for her good job and having her homework already and addressing it. The staff did a great Shaboom. job. Thank you, Andrew. Shaboom that as well. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, should the taxpayers of the state of Washington pay for every single kid's school lunch, even if the parent can afford it? That's what Representative uh, out of the 3rd District there in Spokane is going to come on and talk to us about, find out more about that. Has anybody sent any text messages on that one? Jacob, any questions, comments, concerns? Yes. Okay, you're lying to me. Then I go and spoil it all by saying something stupid like I love you. I can see it in your eyes that you despise the same old lies you heard the night Ah, oh, romance is in the air, Sherry. No, it's just a line to you for me. It's true and never seemed so right before. It's Frank Sinatra. I can't stop Frank Sinatra. Every day to find oh, some no. clever lines to say to make for right, This song's four and a half minutes long, so we got to ask representative <laughs> to hang on the line. Oh, okay. Then I think I'll wait until the All right, all right, all right. Hey, slow it's is faded out. Representative uh, Marcus Riccelli, how are you? Thanks for coming on the show. We certainly appreciate it. And happy Valentine's Day to you, my friend. Well, thank you. I appreciate yes. it. Happy Valentine's Day to you all, too. Yeah, I see all the bills you're supporting. I like all of them except one, Marcus. Uh-oh. That's Valentine's Day. Don't you think every kid <laughs> should get a meal? Uh, yeah, that's why I pack a lunch for my kid. You pack a, you have kids? I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out in your I bio. Do, yeah, I know I'm that, a 12 and a 9-year-old. Yeah, we pack lunches. Are you but still I coaching not, there at the YMCA? Not. You still coaching? Uh, I coach a lot. Yeah, that's right. I coach soccer. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good for you. Good for you. Um, I ran the numbers. You're asking for $90 million from the taxpayers. Uh, and there are 1.7 uh, million kids. So I did the math real fast. It works out to be about 54 bucks a year. There's 180 days in the year. 54 bucks, um, which it will cost, um, to feed these kids. What about the parent that can afford to feed their child? Why would you take their money and not give them money if they're already buying lunches? What are we trying to eliminate? Well, First of all, send them to lunch with a packed lunch. That's fine. I eat hot lunch every single day, but as as I mentioned, I my kids uh, we pack them lunches. You know, I think there's lunch shaming involved. We have a long process of going back where we have folks who didn't have nutritious meals, and so we said, "Hey, here's your free and reduced lunch," and you know that caused all kinds of issues. Um, lunch shaming kids. That's a problem yeah. we got. But you know, I think the other thing really is that we know through the pandemic, through the feds. Uh, did the summer meals program year-round, and we saw childhood hunger reduce significantly. I also think this mm-hmm. is a, a, a tax credit for working families uh, when we look at it. Uh, inflation's hitting folks, and more and more people, you know, as that hits the pocketbooks, are struggling with uh, 
you know, even getting their kids a healthy meal. So let's make sure they got it. We, we, uh, we're leaving millions of federal dollars on the table uh, at times by not taking advantage of the community eligibility program. And let's just uh, let's close the gap here. So you want the people of Minnesota or Ohio or Pennsylvania to feed the kids of Washington? Uh, those are our tax dollars that go back to D.C. too. I'm I'm all supportive right. of making sure we get every single dollar back here to Washington State. I do not have any problem with that. But if I can afford to feed my child, why would you take the money from the federal government, which is all our tax dollars as well? If you're trying to cut down on the stigma, um, if we're trying well, to eliminate, if the primary thing is bullying, so if everybody can afford to feed their the kids that can afford to feed their kids, 11 percent of kids are in poverty, the rest are not. If we're trying to stop the stigma of bullying, why not spend money on reducing bullying as opposed to spending $90 million to feed kids that don't need to be fed? Well, I just I reject the premise. I think that there's a bunch of students that are just above that line where we feed that their parents are struggling to. Um, I also think one of the things that you're missing is that we reduce administrative burden. If you provide universal meals, then you don't have somebody in the front office calling parents uh, about lunch debt. You don't have a, a plan that you have to administer. Uh, you just, every student gets it. And we saw that work for two years um, with the uh, summer meals program going during COVID. And so I just think this is the right move to make sure that, you know, kids have the fuel they need to learn, grow, and play. And um, this mm-hmm. is the most effective way that we can ensure that all of our kids are getting the food they need to thrive. Uh, and if, if you Want to send your kid with lunch to school? Do it. I think that's great. And you're a fool. Aren't you a fool if you're if you're spending money to pay for your kid, but then you're also taking my tax dollars to pay for my kid? Aren't I basically packing two lunches? Oh, I, I disagree. I mean, I, I hear what you're saying. I hear that yeah. you're saying, well, why not? You know, some kids have different needs of, of, of what they want to eat. Um, not when I grew up, I wasn't picky. What was ever in front of me, I ate. But you know, there's different right. needs, and and so people will still need to pack. And I think we should have more options at schools: scratch, modified scratch cooking, making sure it's locally sourced, those types mm-hmm. of things. Uh, but no, I, look, I think that this is the best way we can ensure that our kids have success. We worry so much about test scores and and doing well in school. Kids aren't going to thrive if they don't have the food they need or if they don't have a roof over their head. So mm-hmm. I, I'm the healthcare chair now. I think food is a social determinant of health and we don't need a global pandemic to feed kids. Kids, That's not an excuse yeah. that we should have. So that's where this is coming from. So I have a question for you. There's so much talk about food waste and yeah. let's face it, school lunches historically have not been very good. So uh, what? <laughs> how are you going to be able to regulate how much food? Because the kids that can bring something else to school, they may very well do that, even though it may, might be more convenient just to show up at school and have a lunch ready for you. Um, how, how is that going to work? I mean, if you find, are you going to do uh, observationally? Are you going to say, well, it looks like only 80% of the kids are eating uh, the food that we provide? Or will there be a lot of a, a, a lot of food that just gets food thrown waste out? Is an, yeah, no, food waste is an issue, absolutely. Let me start by saying, I absolutely agree. I ate hot lunch every single day. I was told it was healthy for me, and then I went and played sports was wondering why my gut was hurting. It was because the reheated pizza and tater tots that I ate, I was told was healthy and it wasn't nutritious. So absolutely, first thing first, we got to make sure all kids have sustenance. Then we have to improve the quality and we need to put kitchens back in schools. A lot of our bigger Mm -hmm. districts are just reheating food. We can do scratch and modified scratch cooking. And um, so I think, you know, now on the food waste piece, yes, we should be seeing what 
what what kids are eating, how we can make sure there's not food waste. And so we're making those dollars go as far as possible. Um, that doesn't mean that we're going to serve, you know, uh, whatever they like. Kids aren't going to be eating Snickers and drinking, you know, pop. Uh, we need to uh-huh. make sure that we have an ob. That's the other piece I'm coming from. We have an obesity and diabetes epidemic for our young folks that has this generation, the first generation slated to now outlive their parents. That's scary. That's a national emergency. So absolutely, we need to make sure those meals are nutritious too. So first things first, make sure all kids have calories in front of them. Then we work on improving the nutrition. Why should the state feed kids? I mean, because we know that we're going to end up, but let's just take away the values agreement that, that, argument that I agree with. And let's just say from a taxpayer perspective, if kids don't have the fuel they need to learn, grow and play, they're not going to be successful in school. They're not going to be going to go out and be get good jobs and enter our workforce. And a lot of those things happen in those formative years. And so um, if they can't concentrate in school because they're hungry and they're not having success, how do we expect to be improving our community around us? So I just think, it, you know, it, the Maybe it sounds like a buzzword, but the social drivers, the social determinants of health, food, housing, these other things that drive health care are just so critical. And we know people won't thrive in Washington if they don't have, um, you know, if we don't reduce their hunger. And we saw childhood hunger reduced during the pandemic. And that was, I think, in large part because we took feeding kids off the table. So let's do it in Washington state. We're not we wouldn't be the first state. There's other states that are already. I- I know. I saw. I saw California's and, and other are going to follow with this sort of thing. Uh, to to me, the state stepping in between the child and the parent does greater damage to a society than the state stepping in and providing food for kids. As you know, your mom packs your lunch. You come home. You're like, Mom, I don't like turkey or I don't like ham. You get direct feedback from the customer, which is the kid. When the state steps in, you're breaking that bond between the parent and the child to say that the parent can't find the time or can't find the money to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, I think is a specious argument. I think that there's a basic responsibility of the parent to feed the child. And for the 11% of kids or wherever it is that it's, we can argue about how many are in poverty. Oh, I think a lot. My, rest, in my, yeah, yeah, in my, in yeah. my district. We have the most families on federal food assistance. And, you know, the problem, I hear what you're saying. I would just say yeah. there's a lot of kids that end up at school not getting a, a meal provided for them. Uh, uh, and that's a societal issue. This is one of the uh, ways, I think, a policy intervention to address that. Okay. Well, if you want yeah. to get rid of the stigma, then you can spend New Jersey spending $2 million a year on bullying uh uh, classes to try to reduce bullying because if stigma is the problem, which it seems many of the arguments I've read in the, the, the paper and other websites, you could probably find a better way to, to address that than I think taking money from taxpayers and feeding some. But you know, hey, we'll see. Is this I, thing going to pass? I would say child. I should say I would say childhood hunger is the problem. That's what this looks to address, and uh, we've got a policy intervention out there. But certainly, okay. certainly think we should look at all angles on how we get kids fed and we reduce. Um, shaming. So I, you know, I think there's a lot of policy interventions out there, and um, certainly would look at the what they're doing in New Jersey and see. Is if it going to pass, policy. Marcus? Is is this thing going to pass? You know, we we have put a lot of things forward, and yeah. um, its next stop is the Appropriations Committee, and it's it is yeah. a sizable amount. So I think it, it will deserve the scrutiny. I serve on the Appropriations Committee, but that's when my colleagues need to take another look. I would say it's bipartisan legislation. Um, it passed yeah. out with a bipartisan vote of committee. 
Um, yeah. I also think it could really help our local growers um, uh, if we can get more of this local food into schools and feed more kids. So there's okay. a, you know, I, I can't look into the crystal ball, the dance of legislation, nope. but what I would say is uh, I'm working it to ensure that okay. we reduce childhood hunger in Washington. Gotcha. All right. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Yeah. Keep up the great work. Time. Good luck. Good luck with the coaching. Uh, Make sure. Yeah, well, you know, yeah. got those 12 year the- and nine year olds trying to, to uh, <laughs> keep uh, healthy and active. Good thing. Got it. All right. Thank you, Marcus. Right. Appreciate your time. Thanks. All right. She hides like a child, but she's always I a see. woman to me. She can lead you to love. She can take you or leave you. She can ask for the truth, but she'll never believe. And she'll take what you give her as long as it's free. It's got to make you feel yeah, brandy, huh? Like you're going goblin mode. She's <laughs> a woman to me. Oh, she takes care of herself. All right. On this Valentine's Day, love in the air. I just sent to Jacob Rope. We're short. We're going to be short on this segment. Give me three minutes. Well, we did. Now we have, yeah, less. <laughs> Most romantic thing I ever did. I rented a uh, gorilla suit, Sherry, and I drove all the way from Manhattan all the way down to Easton, Pennsylvania, and I picked up my girlfriend, Miriam Claire, and I ran into the restaurant dressed as a gorilla, picked her up over my shoulder, and took her out to the parking lot, put her in the car, told her I was going to take the butcher's uh, River Cafe in New York City, really expensive restaurant. Drive her up there and then have a really romantic dinner. I had it all timed out. Got out there to the gravel parking lot, and she said to me, um, "I have four tables in there. I need to go back in." And I said, "It's it's this, but I'm I'm dressed as a gorilla, and we're going to have dinner, <laughs> and it's the romantic, and this is the kind of stuff you see in the movies." And she's like, "No, I got to go back in there." And with that, she turned around and went back into the restaurant. Wait, she was wait a waitress? You left that part out. Yeah, she's a waitress, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, you, you thought you'd kidnap her, her from work, yeah. Yeah, get her fired. they do in the movies, and then the drive doesn't take as long because it's normally filled with a music montage. <laughs> it doesn't That's take also- two and a half hours to get back into New York. But I had timed it that I would, 10 o'clock was going to be the reservation, Buzz's River Cafe. And then I drove Did all you- the way back with my head off my <laughs> giant ape nipple sticking out driving my friends to run Peugeot all the way back to New York. That, this is also not the most important question, but that's what I was curious is at what point in the drive down did you put the gorilla suit on? Once I you didn't were... put it on until I got in the Okay. Come on now, Jacob. I've got a it's very hot. So I got I put it on when I got in the parking lot <laughs> and then went in there as a gorilla. And then I even called, it was going so poorly after that, I even called Dr. Ruth's national radio show to ask her about it. What advice did she give you? Oh, you, well, you obviously love, love her, and uh, you're in love with, it seems to me that you are in love with love, and perhaps it wasn't the best timing. And um, I'm sorry you, you didn't need so Dr. Ruth to tell you that. Uh, you know what? Shaboom you again, Wait, Sherry. Well, no, she was working. She was working. Would you have any respect for her if she had left four tables on Valentine's Day? or it wasn't? No, Valentine's it wasn't Valentine's Day. Day. It was okay. just some day. It was like dress as an ape day or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> Shaboom, were you, okay. Shaboom were you, you, Sherry. No, were you planning to support her when she lost her job? The owner of the restaurant would be like, oh, look at those two. They're so in love. 
Go, go. Don't worry about your tables. He's in love with you. <laughs> Why does he talk hell? like that? What kind of restaurant was it? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. There you go. It's Italian or something. <laughs> it was well-meaning and very sweet. Did you continue to date or was she... Were you too mad at her to date her anymore? There was, no, I wasn't mad at her. I was... I just thought, I just need a better suit or a better... Like, where is <laughs> yeah. it? A nicer gorilla suit would have changed her mind, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would have done it. <laughs> Going in there with that head on, couldn't quite see. When the thing got all turned around when I was picking her up and pulling her out. As I put her over my shoulder, the mask shifted to the right, so I was only seeing out of one eye. I think I'm banging her head into the door jam as I was heading to the parking lot. Yeah, that, that, that might be a deal breaker. You uh, Let me ask you this. Would you have gone... It depends on how much I liked you. Sherry, I mean, it's a yes or no question. <laughs> no. All right. That's for you. Shaboom her again, Jacob okay. or Andrew. All right. Uh, Shaboom. <laughs> so, so weird. Why did that guy come on from District 3? Marcus is thinking, what the hell? I'm never going to that show again.